Good morning. I'm Pastor Nancy. We're glad you're here today for this worship service. Um, Thank you, Kevin, for that great intro to this sermon series that we're in about life to the full. Um, We are so glad that you're here, uh, and we're also glad if you happen to be watching us online um, later after this is over. We welcome you, and we're grateful that you are taking the time out of your week to be able to do that as well. I want to also remind you that um, there is a very important meeting taking place of representatives from the United Methodist Church in our conference, the western half of North Carolina, and conferences all around the world. They're meeting in St. Louis, Missouri. We've been asking you to pray for this situation. They started yesterday with a, a day of prayer. Uh, They'll be meeting today, worshiping, and then moving into some discussion and discernment. And then come Tuesday, there will be a vote. And this will be um, a vote to determine how we as United Methodists will move forward with our understanding of of, um, human sexuality. And so uh, next Sunday, in response to that, Pastor Kyle will uh, bring a message that kind of responds to whatever their decision has been this week. So I would encourage you to make sure that you're here to hear that and respond to that. Uh, but also I would invite you to be prayerful of those who are there, that, that we um, are uh, open to God's spirit, that they will be open to that as they, as they make their decision. But before we begin our message today, will you go with me to God in prayer? Let us pray. God, I pray that you will speak to me, through me, if necessary, in spite of me, but always, always beyond me, so that the truth of your word may not be hidden. Amen. We, as I said, uh, have been talking this month of February about uh, living life to the full. That's the call that we feel like we have as uh, folks here in this particular faith community, that God calls us to live life to the full. Jesus promised us life to the full. And how do we, how do we go about doing that? We um, sometimes can get caught up in what the world tells us is a full life, what that looks like. And we're really looking at it from not the world standards, not their definition, but from God's definition, God's standard, from a more heavenly perspective. And and Pastor Kyle pointed out to us several weeks ago um, that we live in a community, the South Park community around us, that is very wealthy, uh, great houses, uh, lots of salary, fancy cars, all the kind of things that people want. And yet, the reality is they're not really happy. Um, A lot of those folks are not content with their lives. They're not living life to the full. Uh, And I guess the other thing that that occurs to me, and as I was looking at a a particular documentary, a frontline documentary on advertisers and advertising, how it's changed over the years, um, just think about an ad that was created maybe 10 years, 20 years ago. The emphasis of the ad was on the product itself. It was on the qualities that product had. It was on how effective it was or the new and improved aspects of it. And when you think about advertising now, um, I don't even want to think about the advertisements that went on during the Super Bowl because some of those were just really strange. But most of advertising is trying to hook us emotionally, trying to tell us that if we purchase their product, we're going to be happy. We're going to be fulfilled. We're going to have a sense of purpose. It's going to just make life wonderful for us. And the bottom line is, whatever it is they're selling, um, and it could be a really fantastic product, but whatever it is they're selling, it isn't going to provide the full life that we know that we can have when we're in a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we want to talk about today. Um, The other thing that we've asked you to do that, that Kyle introduced, and we hope that you're beginning to put into your practice each day, is at the close of the day, to ask yourself two questions. 
um, where did I resist Jesus today and where did I work with Jesus today? Because when we do that, at the end of the day, when we, stop back, when we step back and reflect over our day and begin to think in terms of where did I have an opportunity that I missed? Where did I have a choice that I could have taken that would have helped me, helped me work together with Jesus? Or where did I actually join him in the ministry and the work that needs to be done? Where was, where was it a place that I partnered along with him? We become more like him. And that's the goal that we have in this life because we want to be more like Jesus because we know he was perfect. He lived in God's will all the time. And so those are two questions that we want you to use to think about um, and to reflect on at the end of the day and see how that begins to, begins to change and shape you. So we're talking about living life to the full, and we've already talked about two core values that we as a church have. The first one was transformation. Uh, the so what that Sunday was come as you are, leave better. And the opportunities to, to put that into practice were coming to worship. Being here in this, in this place and letting the music um, transform you, draw you close to God, or letting the message, or letting the prayer, an opportunity to be with other people, but let worship transform you. And then also, in your own time during the week, to spend time in prayer and to spend time reading scripture, to let that shape you and mold you. So that's transformation. And we've also talked about generosity as one of our core values. And we learned last week that God fills and we pour. God fills us up when we allow God to fill us up. And that spills out of us into others who need to know this love of God, this fierce love of God, to be able to experience that so generosity leads us to serve God, and we want you to think in terms of serving outside the church and inside the church. And outside the church, it can be as simple as uh, doing something kind for a neighbor um, or helping a coworker when they're going through a rough time, supporting a, a fellow student when they're maybe challenged by a particular thing. doesn't have to be something huge, but how can you serve God outside of the church and then also serving inside the church? whether it's, it's serving as a greeter or an usher, whether it's serving and helping set this space up and then helping take all this down at the end of a Sunday morning. Our children's ministry, our explorer's ministry, our student ministry, there's places to serve lots of places, and that's what we ask you to be generous with your time for. And then it's also about being generous with our wealth. Um, scripturally, we're, we're taught that we give 10% of our wealth to God, and we encourage you to be generous in that way. This morning we're talking about relationships, and what I'll share with you is that most of you who know me, anyone who knows me, actually knows that I'm a people person, that I will pretty much set aside any task that I have, anything on my to-do list, to be able to spend time with people, to have that conversation, to be able to um, have coffee together or whatever, that I just love doing that. And in the last year, since we've left the building and I'm working at home in one of the bedrooms in my house, I don't have too many opportunities to do that. Um, and so I miss that. I miss that. I miss the, um, the exchange with coworkers, the, the ideas that we can talk about in the hallway. Um, in the church space, people would drop by frequently and we would have great conversations or I would find out things that were going on with them. And I'm not able to do that anymore. Now, I will tell you that this time working from home does have benefits. It's not all bad. There are days that I work in my pajamas most of the day. 
um, and no makeup. And you can thank me because I did not put a picture of that on the screen. Didn't want y'all to have to see that. I can walk across the hall from this bedroom to where the washer and dryer is and move a load from the washer to the dryer in 30 seconds and be back right at work. So there are benefits to that, but I have learned that in a week's time, I need to be out with people in person, not just FaceTiming on the computer screen, but I need to have that contact with people. And if I don't get to do that, if that, I haven't built that into my schedule, I'm not a happy camper, not a happy camper. God created us for relationships. God created us to be in relationships. When we live life to the full, we have a relationship with God and we have relationships with other people who support us, who love us, and who challenge us to be the people that God created us to be. And what I want to do this morning first is to take a little walk through the Old Testament to look at the ways that God has been in relationship with us over time and has encouraged us to be in relationships with each other. We go all the way back to the very beginning, back to creation and Adam and Eve. Uh, God created the world and said it was very good. And then God realized God wanted a relationship with us. And so God created Adam. And then God looked at Adam and thought, well, I don't want him to be by himself either. So God created Eve so that they could be together and that they could have that connection, could have that relationship. And down through the history of the Old Testament, there's more and more stories. Think of Abram and the covenant that God made with Abram. What is the covenant? It's about relationship. God said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. You will have, your offspring will be as, as, as many as the stars in the sky and the sands um, by the sea. But I want to have a relationship with you and I want y'all to be related to each other as well. God called Moses at the burning bush in the wilderness because God's heart was broken that his people were in Egypt. They were in bondage. They were held as slaves and working hard, they were miserable. And God called Moses and said, I'll be there for you. You go help these people leave that land where they are being held captive. And then we think of, we know the history of, of our faith and how God's people would follow God and be close and be good with each other and then they would drift away. And then God would send a prophet and call them back. And they would be good for a while and then they would drift away. God would call a prophet. So think of those prophets. Those prophets had a relationship with God. Jeremiah, when the people were in Babylon, promised them that they weren't going to be there forever, that there was a future for them, a future with hope. And then the prophet um, Joel, who kept calling people back to God, and Hosea, who described the relationship with God and God's people as like a, a, a man and his wife. And the people were the wife that had drifted away and cheated on God. But God still loved her and wanted her back, wanted that relationship. And so we see this story over and over again of how important it is for us to have that connection with God and that connection with each other. And eventually God sent Jesus into the world to get our attention, to show us how much God loves us with a fierce love. God will pursue us, and that's why God sent his son into the world. And God wants that relationship with us. And I want you to think about when Jesus entered ministry, when Jesus came of age and started his ministry, what did he do? 
Did he try to do it by himself? Did he go it alone? He didn't do that. He went out and called a dozen guys to be his support and to be with him and walk with him as he was in ministry. He knew that he could not do it by himself. Even though he was fully human and fully divine all in one, he knew that he could not do that on his own. He was not going to be able to do that. And were these guys who walked with him, were they perfect? No. All you have to do is read any of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, at the beginning of the New Testament, and you'll find out pretty quickly that they were not by any means perfect. But they were there for him, they followed him, and they were there for each other. Now, while Jesus was here, he got tested a lot by the religious leaders of that day, by the rulers of that day. They would ask him questions. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to catch him um, so that they could call him out. Um, One day, one of the leaders asked him which commandment in the law was the greatest. Now, I want you to understand that there were 613 laws, and this guy is asking, so which one's the priority? Which one's the most important one? And Jesus shared with him uh, the following, which we find in Matthew's gospel, the 22nd verse, it start, the 22nd chapter, it starts in the 37th verse. Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Love God. Have that relationship with God. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we got to love others as well. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus was telling those who follow him that they have to love God and they have to love their neighbor. And the neighbor isn't the people that live in the house to the right and to the left. Your neighbor is everybody, everybody you come in contact with. So Jesus is basically saying that relationships are a priority. We're meant to be in relationships a relationship with God, and relationships with others around us. If we want to live life to the full, we can't do it alone. We do it in relationship with others. And then after Jesus' death and his resurrection, his followers spread the teachings that he had taught them, shared those with other people, and the early church began to grow. It began to take place. And in the book of um, the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, we read about what the early church looked like. This is chapter 2, and it starts in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They were in the word and they fellowshiped together. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They spent time together. Now, when we hear about this early church, I don't know about you, but I kind of automatically think church and think building and think it's a big space. You're going to have seats at least for 
50 to 100 or even a lot more than that, 200, 300. A lot of people all together. But in that day and time, there was the synagogue, which some of these folks still went to, but these folks were, in a, they were, they were starting a new way of worshiping together, and they worshiped in people's homes. I don't know about your house, but I don't know that I could fit 50 or 100 people in a room in my house. It's going to be a much smaller group of people who are going to gather together and share together and eat together and, and be there together for each other. What it made me think of is we have a program here, a ministry here at South Park Church. It's called Dinner Groups. And it's an opportunity for people to get to meet and um, share with people from other, you know, they maybe wouldn't come in contact with. And they, you sign up to do it, and eight people are put together for a Saturday evening, and they have a meal together. Uh, somebody hosts it, and they provide the, the main, the entree, and then other people bring other parts of it, and they eat, and they fellowship together. And I've heard great stories of uh, the fun that people have and the getting to know people that they've not been able to do in other settings, and they've learned things and connected with people. And the vision that I have is, imagine these dinner groups, and they finish their meal, and they ask, where have you seen Jesus at work in your life this week? Um, where has Jesus been most powerful in your life? Or what are you struggling with? Can we pray for you in whatever that struggle is? Is life good for you? Where's God at work in your life? And that would be like those early churches, like a small group that ate together and took care of each other, supported each other, uh, encouraged each other. When I think of all the challenges that we have in our world, when I think of how crazy and chaotic and, and just nuts it is out there, I wonder how people manage to make it through a week without a relationship with God and without relationships with people who follow, who follow Jesus. You know, relationships just make life richer and fuller. Relationships provide the support and the resources we need to make it in this crazy world, but also to celebrate together whenever we have good news to share, uh, to walk together. I want to tell you a couple of stories about real-life small groups, real-life connection that people have that has made a tremendous difference in their lives. And the first story is the story of a gentleman that I've known for probably over 25 years. His name is Tom. He was originally in Charlotte. That's where I met him. And he relocated from the Charlotte area to the Triangle area. He moved to Durham because he had Huntington's disease, which is a, um, it's a psychoneurological disorder, chron chronic, uh, progressive and he knew that he needed to be near family to be able to take, to take care of him and have their support. He had siblings there and his children were there. One of the first things that he did when he relocated to that area was he found a church. Tom had grown up Catholic and he was disen, you know, just a little disenchanted with the Catholic church. And he found a United Methodist church. They're a small church. It wasn't a big church. But that church meant the world to him. And I think... He meant the world to that church as well. He connected in. He would email me. He would call me and tell me about worship services they had had, about a group that he had met with, about people he met, and how kind and caring and supportive they were of him. That church loved him, and he loved that church. His life was richer and fuller. He lived life to the full all the way until he died on January 27th because of the people in that church. They um, 
went to get him and bring him to church when he could no longer get himself there. And then he, they visited him where he was when he could no longer come to church. They were bonded. They were connected. And I had the privilege of participating in his celebration of life service uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And that little church was packed, was absolutely packed. And one of the gentlemen told the, the minister who serves there, he said, Tom did for this church what we've never been able to do. He filled this place. He packed this place because there were that many people there who came. God created us for relationships, relationships with God and relationships with one another. And then in January of this past, just um, a month ago, we heard Tambry Harris share her story of coming to grips with sexual abuse in her childhood. If you missed that day, you can find that video of her, her testimony on our, our, our church website. And she shared very poignantly how important it was, the small group of women, her companions group, that worked with her and supported her through her pain, how they surrounded her and cared for her and loved her as she did the hard work of healing and how they have encouraged and supported her as she now offers that same healing work to others. Uh, God created us for relationships, a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. And then it's been a few years ago when our kids were small that I had uh, the privilege and the opportunity to participate in a disciple Bible study. Some of you may have, have participated in that. It's a pretty, pretty intense Bible study. It's 34 weeks. We started in late August of one year and finished in May of the next year. We met weekly for two and a half hours. And before you met, you had five or six days of work to do, reading scripture, responding to questions, being prepared to come and share together with others in the group. It was not an academic Bible study. It was a transformational Bible study. The people in that group grew really, really close together. We could ask the difficult questions. We could be vulnerable with one another. We could challenge one another. We could support each other. Uh, there was one gentleman in the class that dealt with a really severe depression during that year. He had to be hospitalized for it. And our group surrounded him and surrounded his wife, who was also a part of that study, together. Um, it, was, it was just a powerful experience for me and for the others in the group. We met for probably a year and a half after the study was over. We would meet monthly just to come together, to be together. We had, had connected with each other and cared for each other so deeply. God created us for relationships. And then I've shared with this church before about a couple I met last spring, Jamie and Holly, who are missionaries. They served in Cambodia for a while, and uh, it was a hard time. Their children were young, so they came back to the States to kind of recharge and renew, and now they're serving in Albania. They've been there almost two years. They, um, I just am amazed at the courage they had to say yes, because that's a rough country as far as uh, the, the comforts that we're used to here. He, he's recently written about finding a shop that he was looking for, and he was trying to tear up the uh, floor, and he got about an hour's worth done, and the electricity went off, and he had to wait another couple of hours for it to come back on to do a little bit more. Um, so it's just the people there, it's hard to find work. There's just a lot going on. His wife, Holly, teaches in a school there that is for all of the missionaries' children, and Jamie's, Jamie's vision is to create a group for, for men. 
a group for men to be able to come together. They have a hard, hard life. There's a lot of um, alcoholism and there's a lot of unemployment. It's just, it's just a, rough, a rough place there. And he has brought men together on Tuesday night and it started slowly. But as he shares this information with us who support him, you can just see the growth that's taking place. You can see the changes in these men's life. And the first of this year, they've begun to work their way through the, the stories in the Bible. And a lot of these men have no idea of, of what the Bible is, much less what the stories are. It's like them learning it for the first time. And there's a picture that I'll show you of the group. They meet around this table, and they've done some hands-on kind of things. This is the week that they learned about Noah. They learned about the rainbow. They learned about forgiveness. And they are, they're understanding how much God loves them and feeling that forgiveness that God has for them so that they can also share that with one another. So this is, this is what a group can look like. It doesn't have to be in our country. It can be anywhere where people come together and they're growing in their understanding of God. They're also growing in how they take care of each other. So our third core value that to add to transformation and generosity is relationships. Relationships. And what we ask you to do is, the first ask is once a week, we want you to invite someone to worship invite someone to worship, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, once a week, how am I going to find somebody? You have a great opportunity. Do you know how many people that I ask if they've ever worshipped in a movie theater before, and they say no? You know, you've got the, you've got the perfect entry to say, it's, you need to come experience it. It is really cool. It's, it's not what I thought it would be. And so that's a great segue to invite them. You can also invite them to join you in your small group, to participate with you there, or one of our outreach opportunities to be able to invite them to come there. But think in terms of who are my relationships that are not in church that I can invite to come and participate with me and bring them into that relationship as well. And the second ask is we want you to be active in a South Park Church small group. We have lots of small groups in this church. We have life groups. We have adult classes. We have study groups that meet periodically. Um, I would love to be able to help connect you connect you into a group where you can grow in your relationship with God, grow closer to Jesus, and grow in relationship with others who can help care for you. Our so what today is we are created for connection. Think about all those Bible stories. Think about all the stories I shared with you and the difference it makes when we are connected with other people and we are connected with God. We are created for connection to God, and to others. So who, who is your group? Where is your connection? Are you trying to go it alone? Are you trying to um, live life to the full and you're doing it by yourself? Because that's not going to work. That doesn't work. You need to have other people walk on the journey with you. You need to have people you can be honest with and who can be honest with you. I love what the Apostle Paul, who wrote lots of the New Testament, and he wrote a letter to a church that he had started, a church in Ephesus, and he told them to speak the truth in love. And how do we do that if we're not in relationship with people? People don't hear it well if we're not in relationship with them. And that's what we're called to do. Um, it's a place for people to care about you when you go through the challenges in life, and the challenges are going to come. 
You may not have had any up till now, but we all face challenges in our life and we need people around us who are people of faith who will walk with us. And it's great to have people who are there for you when you're ready to celebrate something, good news, and you want to share that um, and, and have other people help share that joy with you. Um, God created us for relationships. Don't try to go it alone. Relationships are a key part of what God calls us to. Relationships with God and relationships with others. I encourage you, I challenge you to figure out how, if you're not already, a lot of y'all are, but if you're not already connected, how, how can you do that? How will you do that? Let us pray. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you that you love us the way that you do, that you have created us the way that you have created us, that you um, want a relationship with us and that you want us to be in relationship with others. Uh, We just thank you for that and we just praise you for making us in such wonderful way. So we ask you to guide us into the groups that are gonna help us grow, help us learn to be more like your son. And we thank you, God, for this day of worship. Amen.